0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Simon Morris. I hate to think how many of these shows over the last year or so have opened with variations of the phrase, back in the good old days, running the risk of sounding like some idiot in a big red hat. It's hard not to think that there was a time when cinema used to be, if not objectively great, then certainly rather greater than it is today. Part of the current problem, of course, is a certain pandemic, which has been restricting the choice of material in our movie theatres. Where's 007?
0: I need a favour, brother. You're the only one I trust for this.
1: The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were 00? Two years. Hands up everyone who's good and sick of all those trailers for the latest James Bond movie that culminate in an arbitrary and plainly fraudulent date at the end. Screen it or don't screen it, just stop dangling it in front of us. Some bigger movies were finally released this year, but they weren't really a patch on our memories of two years ago. I mean, is Fast and Furious 9 the best we can hope for?
0: So we're up against a master thief.
1: Assassin. High-performance driver. Who is he? Well, it isn't, of course. There's a wide range of stuff out there right now, just not on cinema screens. Back in the good old days, TV movies were underfunded and shallow, while actual movies were big budget experiences with decent scripts and well-known stars. These days, it's often the other way around. You can trust me. Hope okay, you've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? Right now it's hard to deny that the material on streaming services like Disney+, Plus, Netflix, Neon and the rest is making much of the cinema-only content look a little underpowered. You can't even differentiate between TV series and one-off movies. I mean, why should Fast and Furious 9 and the 25th James Bond film count as cinema while high-end drama series like Barry Jenkins' The Underground Railroad don't? Came all this way on the railroad? Yeah. I left behind all those peoples. Nothing was given, all was earned. So while we wait for a lift in the quality of traditional movies, we're forced to be governed by that miserable saying: beggars can't be choosers. First, we pop along to a film that's been hugely popular in La Belle France, starring everyone's favourite gauche would-be mistress in TV's Call My Agent, Laura Calamy. Et voilà,
0: moi, je suis <laughs> parti lundi. Et en fait, comme je me suis perdu, sinon je t'aurais jamais retrouvé. Tu sais, ça cause des textos hier. Tout est texto.
1: It's called Antoinette and the Cévennes. At least it is now. Originally it was called My Donkey, My Lover and I, and it's generally a bad sign if a movie can't decide on a name. Also this week, a little Irish comedy that used to be called The Beard, but at the last minute changed its name to the rather more appealing Dating Amber. I'm not a
0: lesbian. Yeah, yeah. she is. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I wasn't. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm here with my boyfriend, Lones, who oh, is heavy. usually straighter than
1: that. But first, two animated features that we can safely say are offering Disney and Pixar very little competition. Whoa, horses can do that? Is that barn okay? Yeah. This horse got a lot of spirit. You do have a lot of spirit. Spirit Untamed occasionally rides under the title Spirit Riding Free. About 20 years ago, there was a DreamWorks movie called Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron about a wild horse and his faithful Native American companion. Well, later they took the name Spirit and not much else and turned it into a TV series.
0: They say my mother was one of the greatest to ever ride. Stay wild,
1: mi querida Fortuna.
0: And even though she's been gone since I was a baby...
1: No! There are still moments where I can feel her spirit. Spirit Untamed is presumably a spin off from that series, though it boasts several big names behind the horse and the three girl leads. Aunt Cora is played by Julianne Moore, Walton Goggins plays Hank the Horse Thief, and Jake Gillenhall plays the father of our heroine, Lucky.
0: I believe in you, Lucky. You have your mother's spirit.
1: wild, Fortuna. Trust me. Horses and 12-year-old girls have been a thing ever since Black Beauty, National Velvet and Follyfoot. In this iteration, Lucky's late mother was a Mexican star rider. When she died, Lucky was sent to the big city, but she decides to come back out west to reunite with her dad and her aunt Cora. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Miradero. And did you ever see my
1: mom perform? Oh, yes. She was a legend. Fortuna? Hola. You look just like your mother. She meets some friends and, more important, she meets a wild stallion. What will she call him, we wonder? Or at least those who've forgotten what the movie we've come to see is called.
0: Just take it slow. Horses can feel what you feel. It's in your heart to run free. It's in mine, too. I'm going to call you Spirit.
1: Will Lucky and the newly named Spirit Bond. Come on, what else was she going to call it? After all, so far, Lucky has never actually ridden a horse before. Until, well, what do you know?
0: I just rode a horse. Around here, we call that hanging on for dear life. You are lucky you didn't get yourself killed. You stay away from that horse. That is not his fault. I'm trying to keep you safe. He said, let's get out of this.
1: To be fair to Spirit Untamed there is a tiny bit more plot than this. Dad struggles to get over the loss of his late wife and lurking in the background is Hank the horse thief and his unsavory compadres with their eye on Spirit and his herd of wild horses. If you wonder if he'll get away with his dastardly plans, you clearly haven't seen enough old-fashioned Disney movies. Say you'll me. Let's round up that herd, boys. We need to get Spirit back to his family. This is a terrible idea. But that's the problem with Spirit Untamed. It isn't a Disney movie, but the producers think they've cracked the formula. Yes, the three girls are pure Disney Channel, and the horses are, well enough, animated. But there's absolutely no magic in the production, and least of all in the casting. Easy, boy.
0: Let's go, girl. Good thing her name's Lucky. Well, is her middle name Irony? Go!
1: Why spend so much on name actors if you don't let them do anything? You certainly don't recognise any of them as they phone in their performances. All very forgettable, but looking on the bright side, it could have been worse. Remember what we talked about. I don't want to get a call from this new school telling us that you've developed some sort of chicken expanding rate. Sorry about that. It's called Cranston Academy, or at least it is in some markets. In others, it's called Monster Zone. And here, in the spirit of a bob each way, it's called Cranston Academy colon Monster Zone. Ah, colons, where would movies be without you? to Cranston
0: Academy. Look at this place. From the
1: creators of The Nut Job 2 and Escape from Planet Earth. I'd like to introduce you to Danny Dawkins. <gasps> <gasps> Thanks a lot, genius. It's not a good sign when you hear that Cranston Academy or Monster Zone or whatever comes from the people who brought you Escape from Planet Earth and Nut Job 2. I mean, not even the original, presumably superior, Nut Job 1.
0: I invented a nanobot to go in and deal with them face to face. Watch where you're going, Einstein.
1: Cranston Academy makes Spirit Untamed look like Spirited Away or Ratatouille. It's about a young genius called Danny Dawkins who's bullied at school but is headhunted by an academy for wizards. I mean, young geniuses.
0: Whoa! I'm the principal at Cranston Academy, a secret boarding school for geniuses. We'd like to offer you a full scholarship. Wow!
1: At Cranston Academy, Danny meets Liz, and between them they open up a portal to another realm, a monster zone, in fact. The limited voice budget runs to Jamie Bell, who gives his best playing Danny, and to the former Batwoman Ruby Rose, who gives the bare minimum to the role of Liz. Well, that was monumental. Ah! Ah, ah!
0: Who are you? I guess you can call me Mothman. What kind of alien language is that?
1: In addition there's a weird monster called Mothman and a lot of more generic monsters who look like someone's doodles handed to a commercial animation firm which as far as I can tell seems to have been what happened here. <laughs> there are monsters everywhere. was getting bigger that means bigger monsters can
0: come out. How much bigger can they get?
1: Ah! get ready to fight the
0: monsters
1: it's a mexican canadian indian co-production with all the coherence focus and authenticity that description conjures up full disclosure demands that i admit this is a film aimed at undemanding children of about 11 not only am i no longer 11 but i don't think i can pass as undemanding either i wanted better but at least it wasn't nut job three
0: you okay? I admit, that plan wasn't fully thought out. Ah! Ah! What?
1: Do not eat my sweater! There are two sorts of film festivals. There are the prestigious ones inviting the best movies from all over the world to Cannes, Venice and New Zealand's International Film Festival. And there are showcases for the most popular films from one particular market, like the recent French Film Festival. This year the opening film around the country was Antoinette in the Seven. Antoinette and the Cévennes was an official selection for the Cannes International Film Festival, but it was primarily intended for the local market. It stars TV favourite Laura Calamy as a schoolteacher having an affair with the married father of one of her pupils. Very French. And it assumes you know where and what the Cévennes are. Well, the where is easy enough. It's a national park in the south of France where people often go for six-day tramps. Certainly Antoinette's lover, Vladimir, is doing that. He's just not doing it with her. He's doing it with his wife, Eleanor, and their daughter, Alice. Boo!
0: bordel. si tu veux. Moi, m'en. D'accord? Allez.
1: But the Cevennes are also well known, in France at any rate, as a location of a famous journey by, of all people, Robert Louis Stevenson. The Scottish novelist wrote a book about it called Travels with a Donkey in the Cevennes.
0: Tu vas avancer, espèce de bourrique de merde
1: Vladimir, il me plaisait pas du tout. C'était pas du tout mon genre. Which is why Antoinette in the Savane was nearly going to be called My Donkey, My Lover and I, until it was changed back under pressure, presumably from people like me who were unfamiliar with the original.
0: Tu Ah, j'adore ses mains. J'adore sa peau. J'adore ses épaules. J'adore son ventre. Bonjour.
1: Antoinette takes it in her head that she's going to hunt down Vladimir and his family on their travels, which is either very romantic or borderline creepy, depending on how tolerant and French you are, I suppose.
0: Et elle vous connaît sa femme?
1: Oui, un petit peu. Ah <gasps> oh, bah formidable. Vous avez raison. À moi. <laughs> Certainly Vladimir doesn't seem to think it's very romantic when he suddenly runs into Antoinette at his first stopover. Far from being delighted to see his mistress at a family holiday, he tells her to stay away.
0: Alice, ça alors? Ça alors,
1: c'est extraordinaire. Je te demande une chose. Now, all this could easily become predictably French farcical if it weren't for Antoinette's four-legged friend, Patrick. Unlike most of the travelling companions who think you can follow in Stevenson's footprints without having to go the whole hog, or rather the whole donkey, Antoinette disagrees.
0: Bonjour, Patrick.
1: Voilà. S'il prend la vitesse dans les descentes, hélicoptère, hein, il a peur, il s'arrête.
0: Uh, et pour avancer
1: Allez Patrick avance. Là, il faut vraiment que tu hein.
0: Avance
1: faut que tu lui qui est le maître. Antoinette has read the book and thinks there's only one way to travel in the Cévennes, and that's with donkey. So what with a pig-headed ass called Patrick, a negative boyfriend and a wife who has strong suspicions that Antoinette's arrival may not be totally coincidental, there's plenty of room for Gallic fun.
0: C'est
1: Unsurprisingly, Antoinette and the Cévennes by writer-turned-director Caroline Vignal was a huge hit in France. It's frothy, it's naughty, it's got a charming donkey and an endearing lead performance by Laura Calamy. It may be a bit too French for some tastes, but if you're missing your annual trip to Europe or you have a thing for donkeys, this may be a decent substitute.
0: We're here for good reasons.
1: It's important. It's
0: not the end. It's
1: the chemin. Stop, Patrick! You're not with us. You're not with us. Don't eat with us! Quirky Irish comedies are regular occurrences here these days, often featuring popular Irish actress Sharon Horgan. I say popular, she seems to have made a successful career starring in TV series that I seem to have missed, like Catastrophe and This Way Up. She's fine in dating Amber, by the way. All right. You know, you can tell me anything, and I will love you no matter what. I know. <laughs>
0: Jesus, this must be what the inside of her gay
1: brain looks like. Dating Amber centers on a schoolboy called Eddie. He finds himself regularly picked on by his classmates for not chasing after available girls like Tracy with sufficient enthusiasm. What's the matter? Is he gay or something? A guy to
0: lovemaking. <laughs> How come he didn't touch Tracy's boob? Jesus, Ken! Amber, what's for lunch? Carpet?
1: Not today. Your mum's getting shampooed. But it's Eddie's classmate Amber who attracts our attention, the punk outsider, played by a young actress called Lola Petticrew. I have very fond memories of Lola as the buttoned-up teenager in another recent Irish comedy, A Bump Along the Way. Oh,
0: Do you throw a rock at me? I'll go out with you. What? Do you want to go out or not?
1: OK, Amber is almost the complete opposite of that role. She's stroppy, she's sick of being called a lesbian all the time, and she has a bright idea of how to deal with it and solve Eddie's problems at the same time. At first, the the slow-in-the-uptake Eddie gets the wrong end of the stick when she suggests a hookup.
0: What the hell are you doing? You're gay. Gay for boobs? I'm not gay. Yes, you are. So am I.
1: This is just a pretend relationship. They're both going to be each other's alibi or beard, meaning a couple passing as straight. Eddie is in denial but in the end goes along with it. It's just for a year and it does make his life a lot easier.
0: We pretend to go out just until school is over. We're going to Dublin.
1: Setting the action of dating Amber in the early 90s gives it a certain historical interest. Ireland was tentatively becoming more liberal in some places at any rate. Amber can't wait to head to the big city, any big city. She wants to work on a trendy punk zine where they've heard of riot girl bands like Bikini Kill.
0: People are all over Oasis. It's all about Bikini Kill. Kathleen Hanna is proper punk. Have you heard them? Of course not. And what do you see? Female bass players, that's it.
1: So you think women shouldn't be bass players? On the other hand, Eddie feels pressured to live up to the example of his soldier father. Despite everything, Eddie is planning to join the army, a career he's singularly ill-suited for.
0: I think that Eddie would look really manly and hot in uniform. I mean, morally, I don't agree with national armies, but still... (laughs)
1: Super sexy! mm -hmm. Thank you, babe. Meanwhile, he and Amber continue to put on the show of the most heterosexual couple at the school. The fact that they get away with this for so long, how stupid is everyone in this film, is one of dating Amber's failings. The other, ironically, is the appeal of the two lead characters. We're going to go to my room. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Oh, do you want some, um... Trifle? Do you, do you want? I can I can bring it up in in two cups.
0: Do, leave your door open.
1: Don't worry, they haven't had sex yet. Jesus Christ. This is a story of admitting who you are, of not living a lie, of saying it loud, you're gay and you're proud. But the two leads, Finn O'Shea as Eddie and Lola Pettigrew as Amber, are so appealing together that we're reluctant to break them up in favour of other, more realistic relationships. Do you
0: want to go out or not? Gay. Just I'm gay. You're gay. We're, no, you're we're gay. gay. Okay, we're just because we are. gay, just because we're the are. big gay wall. Whatever it is. Stop saying it. Stop gay. saying it.
1: I was reminded of a rather better TV series called To Save Your Blushes, The End of the Effing World. Like Dating Amber, it was about a wildly mismatched pair. But unlike it, it realised that mismatched or not, we liked them together.
0: Hey. hey! you are the only boy in the world. I'm glad I
1: dated. Dating Amber, paradoxically, might have been better if it hadn't been so attractively cast. And if we hadn't been spoilt by so many romantic comedies that would have found a way to keep them together whether they liked it or not. And on that rare campaign against a happy ending, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.